This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. It says we're live on Facebook. Oh, that's become my catchphrase now, hasn't it? Uh, I, I'm just going to wait a couple of minutes. So I'm going to waffle until we get some more uh, some more washers coming on tonight. Uh, my name is Dan Fudge. Welcome to the Wednesday week. It's another TWW Lockdown Live. Uh, join us tonight. We've got Victoria, Ben and Steve. And of course, you can see him in the corner there. Uh, captain Fantastic, promotion winning captain. Mr. Rob Jones has joined us, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot for joining us, Rob. Um, now, since you were coming on, I'm going to get this out of the way. Uh, since I knew you were coming on this evening, I, um, <clears throat> I've been singing a song in my head. Now, I know your song at Hibernian was to the tune of Spandau Ballet's Gold, and we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, what I've been singing is, I don't even remember the band Space and Caris Matthews from Catatonia. They sang that song, Tom Jones, the Ballad of Tom Jones. So all day, I've been going, you stopped us from killing each other. Rob Jones, Rob Jones. Like, you know what I mean? That's uh, So that that just gets a silliness out of the way. Let's get into the serious stuff. So that's a hell of a start, isn't it? Uh, now, now, Rob, uh, like uh, in the corner there, we've got Ben. Ben uh, is the young uh, the young one who, who can't do this from memory because he was just a fetus a lot of the time. So he normally does his homework. So I'm going to start with Ben straight away. And uh, he's going to talk to us about spending more. Well, th- this is one that I, I didn't necessarily have to do from memory. I can actually remember this one, seeing, seeing as I'm, I am old enough for this one. Um, in the last few we've had, and we've had uh, Craig Road, Castle on and, and stuff like that, and gone through the non-league way. That's that's something you did, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think it started from, to be fair, when I was 11, 12, I went into York City, Man United, Nottingham Forest. And back in those days, you'd sign schoolboy forms. So when you were, I think it was, was it 14? Might be 14, where you could sign schoolboy to get to get a 16. Uh, and I signed for York City. Uh, going really well. You were a striker as well? Yeah, yeah. Going really well as a centre-forward. I was <laughs> prolific in those days. Uh, not as tall as I, as, I, as I ended up being, but I was prolific in those days. But 
for some reason, uh, in my second year at York, I just fell out of love with the game completely. Uh, I think the coach at that time, can't remember his name, I think he must have had a crystal ball because he moved me foot closer and closer to our defensive goal, which I absolutely hated. Uh, I think I spent a few a few games at left back and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I'm 15 years old, all I want to do is score goals. And then the, the, the minutes dwindled. It's not like it is now where all the, the academy kids have got to play a minimum amount of time. There it was just, you played whatever you were given. And it comes to a point where I was travelling every Sunday all over the country and spending five, six minutes on the pitch and I thought, this is not for me. Uh, and to be fair, I fell out with my, with my father over it. I am, as you probably allude to at the end of this, end of this conversation, I'm a very driven individual and I only do things what I want to do uh, and I spoke to the manager at that time at York and I released myself a 15 year old uh, wrote my letter in and said I, w- I don't want to play no more uh, <clears throat> I got my reply back give it to my father and he never spoke to me for about three or four weeks I was going to say I'd, I'd give you a right clip Six, but, seven or nine it's just the way I, I am and the way I have always been I've made my decisions and I, I live or die with those decisions that I make uh, and thankfully for me, I went back and I started playing local football with my friends. I started actually playing pub football, which was fantastic. I played on a Saturday afternoon and it was brilliant. Man of the match got two, two pints of lager and it, and it was it was great. And that's where the, the love rekindled itself. And crazily enough, and the old coach will probably say, I was I had an influence. I ended up playing uh, pub football at centre-half. And I've yeah, he enjoyed it. I've never looked back since. Uh, I will go on record and say that if I'd have stayed at centre forward, I would never have become a footballer. The fact that I went back to play centre half, I understood. How, how old were you then, Rob? When you when you made that switch? Fifteen. Fifteen. Well, half, I, uh, I've always said that what happens is the best uh, Sunday league centre backs are the ones that started off as strikers because I, I, you know, I started as a striker and then you know, I, I've got to get that in. And then, yeah, and then what happens? You end up just kicking young kids and you go, this is actually really fun. I'm not having this this lad embarrass me, so you start kicking them when they try and outpace you and stuff like that. But you were already a young kid. Yeah, well, to be fair, I think because I'd played centre-forward for, what, seven or eight years before that, I knew the positions that strikers wanted to go into. Mm-hmm. I knew where they wanted to take the ball and whatnot. And uh, seemingly for me, it just, it just fit. Uh, and... I became a defender from then on in, and from then it just become my staple die to be the centre half and the dominant centre half, and and that was it. But let's not take a fact away that I still like scoring goals. I was going to say you still average like one in ten, one in nine, didn't you? And I know you got a few for us as well. So and I got fifty nine in my career. I got fifty nine, which is not bad for centre half. Uh, fifty five headers, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so no, it wasn't bad, but no, that's where it really, that's where it really kicked off for me. It was it was a local men's team, and uh, I learned an awful lot in that first six, seven, eight months where you've got all pros who, who just come back down the way. Obviously, Chris Waddle he moved to workshop, didn't he, when he came out of the game? Uh, uh, ardent, aggressive, crazy individuals you, you come up against that you don't normally come up against in uh, youth team football or school football and like that, and it's quite a vast learning curve and if you don't stand up to it you get beat up and thankfully I had to, I, I made the right choice instead of, <laughs> instead of the wrong one 
Is it right that you were a teacher as well while you were coming up? Yeah, yeah I was teaching in a primary school. So I was a, a mainstream and special needs ch uh, children uh, teacher. So the mainstream, I would teach them to, uh, to teach LMP. So I would be the school coach, which is probably what's known as now. And especially needs, I would teach them to swim in the hydrotherapy pool at the end of the of the building. And I loved it. I loved it. And uh, I was there for, what, three, three and a bit years before I went to Stockport. And that's where I left. I, that's what I left behind to go to, to Stockport County. And did you... He's evaluating his career now, aren't you? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. He's become a professional footballer if he's currently a PE teacher. Um, you went to play for Carl Palmer at, uh, at Stockport. Is it, is it, was he there when you went there or... Yep. Did he... Yeah. It was surreal, to say the least. Uh, it was a guy called John Hollins, uh, ex-Chelsea guy. He was the director of football at Stockport County at the time. And I, I was playing for Gateshead on the Tuesday night against, uh, I think it was Bursco. And unbeknown to me, John was in the crowd. There was uh, rumours about uh, Oldham before that, because I played a reserve game for Oldham the week before. And they wanted me to go back to play another game. Uh, and then John popped up. Uh, he actually sat next to my mate that I, I travelled home on the coach with. And he said, you'll get a phone call tomorrow because Stockport County are going to take you. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever you whatever you said. I've heard this all before many, many times. And uh, it was lunchtime at school. And I went to my phone and I had a voicemail from Carlton Palmer on my phone. Now, we put it, I mean, we've mentioned it briefly and we've mentioned it in the title of the live chat, but you are a Boyhood Wednesday fan, which is something I didn't know until I was doing my homework with Fudge. So how, I mean, Carlton Palmer, I don't want to brag, but Carlton Palmer did one string me at work when I worked for a charity and I literally screamed afterwards, which was awkward in a cancer support charity. But how did that feel for, not only to, for him to be giving you a buzz, but to be offering you a job? Uh, surreal, to be honest. I actually only read, only listened to half the, vo the voicemail. I put the phone down and I rang my then manager and I said, some guy called Carlton Palmer has been on my, is on my phone. Is this the real Carlton Palmer or is this someone taking a piss? And uh, he said, no, he's been trying to get you all, all day. They've put a bid in and they want you to travel down and, and sign. And it was just, it was just mental, uh, absolutely mental. Uh, I'd had probably 20 minutes left of my lunch break. <laughs> So I was scrambling around, sorting things out. And he was brilliant with me. And like you say, you don't often get to come into close contact with your idols when you're a kid. And it was it was just immense. And uh, I didn't spend too long with Carlton because he, he got the sack from Stockport not too long after I, I got in. But uh, he's the reason I that my career went the way it did. Uh, he, he's the one that took that gamble and said, yes, we'll take him. And we'll give him a chance and we'll give him an opportunity. And I'll be forever in debt to that individual. Wow. So can we talk about the fact that you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan then? Because it goes without saying you've not exactly got a Sheffield accent. I know it's obviously you. No, no. Uh, all, my mum, all my mum's family are from Bridlington. Mm -hmm. So I spent all my weekends, summer holidays, Easter holidays up, up in Bridlington. And uh, all my mum's family are Sheffield Wednesday fans. Okay. So I would, I'm just mad football. I was just mad in football as a kid. Uh, and then I got to my first one and then that was it. You just hooked, aren't you? It's just, that's it. Uh, David Hurst was my idol, uh, as he was probably many others. 
but uh, David Hurst was the main man. I was a striker. I'd run around with my my yellow shirt on with a blue collar with number nine on the back and think I was David Hurst. Uh, but it's something that I kept quiet when I arrived. Uh, I think, truthfully, the, the pressure that I would have put on myself, knowing that I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan and getting it out there to other people, uh, I just wanted to come in and embrace it and enjoy it and and take the opportunity that was given. Obviously, he was on loan uh, initially uh, and just just allow myself to take in the, the whole and cumbersome nature of it. Because again, it, it, when I went to Sheffield Wednesday, it, it was again a, a surreal situation. I was playing golf at Forest Pines. And my, my agent ran uh, when I was on the, I think, 10th or 11th hole. And I rang, he rang and normally I don't answer when I'm playing golf, but I answered. And he said, Rob, Chris Evans has been on the phone. He wants you to come and play for Sheffield Wednesday. And I said, Chris Evans, the radio DJ. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, or oh, the Hollywood actor. I said, what are you talking about? He said, no, 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 Chris Evans is the Sheffield Wednesday assistant manager. Uh, Gary Megson would like you to come and uh, sit down with him and, and uh, send, come on loan to the end of the season. Uh, I put the phone down, I put the golf clubs in my car and I drove. And uh, I signed in the, in the following morning. And Chris, I still, I still speak to Chris today. Chris has been invaluable in my career, not just as a coach, but as a player. Uh, I haven't spoke to Guy for, for a couple of years now, but uh, it, the, the pair of them were just fantastic with me. And, and Gary was, I think some, sometimes, he, Gary's black and white. You either like him or you don't. And I absolutely loved him. Uh, he was just so driven for Sheffield Wednesday. It was it was crazy. He wanted Sheffield Wednesday to do so well and he didn't care how much, how, how long it took him to do it and what it, it entailed from his point of view. He was so passionate about it. I got to meet his dad, uh, who was extremely passionate about Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and for me, to obviously keeping the, it quiet that I'm, I was a Sheffield Wednesday fan, uh, I just got it. And I think, I think if anybody speaks again, I think he just got me. And we had our arguments at times, but it was all for the for the right purpose and the right meaning. I'll tell you You're what, then. Let's... As a player, just I mean, I, I'm like a little bit younger, but I obviously didn't see. Well, I think he was here till just after I was born. But do you remember watching him? No, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I've seen pictures and clips of him since. Uh, he likes a bit of a fight and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but no, I, di I didn't get the, the opportunity to watch him live. I tell you what, then let's let's rewind a bit before we uh, before we get to uh, before we get to Wednesday. So I want to I want to talk briefly. So you went to to Grimsby, and uh, now am I right in thinking that Grimsby were were they in the Championship at this point? Because the, no. the fall from grace that Grimsby have had over the last twenty years is is quite significant, isn't it? Uh, were they League One at the time? No, no, no. Grimsby were League Two. Wow. Uh, I left I left Stockport when Sammy McElroy took over. Uh, right, and he wanted to go his own way, which is. Comfortable and, and fine, and that's football and that's life. Uh, so I then went to Grimsby with Russell Slade. So then signing for Hibernian as you did after after your time in League Two must have been a, a hell of a step up for you, right? I mean, a lot of people deride Scottish football and and and, and the like, but that was a hell of a step up. Did you did you feel that at the time? Not at the time because I only had ten days preseason, so. <laughs> Uh, we got beat by Cheltenham in the playoff final at Millennium Stadium, one nil. Uh, and I knew, I knew I was going. Uh, I knew that, that people say rumour this, rumour that, but I knew I was going. 
regardless of whether we've got promoted or not. I think if we got promoted, there'd have been a couple of knots on the on the transfer fee on top of it. But we but we didn't get promoted. But I knew I was going. Uh, uh, Ethan, my oldest, he was six weeks old, so we had to move from Grimsby up to Scotland in them ten days, which was immense and incredible because uh, Hibs were in Europe at that time, mm-hmm. so I had to go straight into wow. European football. So it's one of those things where you don't really take stock of what you're actually doing. You just go with the flow and you just get on with it. And it's not until probably you retire, to be honest, you come away and you, you start to reflect on what you've achieved as an individual, what you've accomplished, where you've been, what you've done, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but no, Hibs was Hibs was fantastic. Uh, as Grimsby were, the second year of Grimsby, the first year was an absolute nightmare. It was just, oh, it was, it was. I played my fir- very first game. I did my knee. Uh, I was out for 12 weeks from my knee. Couldn't get back in. Uh, got back in towards the end, but I was playing games and I was thinking, you're miles away, absolutely miles away. And it was it was a struggle. The first year was a real struggle at Grimsby. And Russell, to be fair to him, he, he must have seen something because he said, I want to give you one more year and then see how we go from there. And the, the second year couldn't have gone any better, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was from a personal point of view, it was fantastic. From a team point of view, we got nearly got there, and then obviously I went to Hibs, and the first year Hibs couldn't have gone any better either. Well, uh, well, yeah, we're just we're just looking at that now. I tell you what, before we go down the uh, pull up the the Hibs thread, Vic, we're live on Facebook right now. Vic, have we had any any questions for Rob on Facebook, or is it people reminiscing like it usually is? It's reminiscing at the moment, but we have got a few Hibs fans watching. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we, 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 we've got the ratios. There's probably more Hibs fans watching at the moment than Wednesday fans. <laughs> well, we've got to give it. It's uh, yeah, if there's Hibs fans watching, then we'll uh, we'll, tr- we'll try and uh, give it the uh, the proper respect it deserves. So, uh, Steve, I'll, I'll come to you next. My apologies. I've, I've made you sit there in silence. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good, mate. Um, hi, Rob. Um, so you've gone in the space of a few months from playing League Two football to playing effectively Premiership, Scottish Premiership football. Um, and was it that season that they got into Europe? We were playing in Europe that third season? The the season that, the, well, obviously the season that I was at Grimsby was when they got into Europe. Right. Uh, so I, I went into the European campaign. Brilliant. And so what was, the, what, was the, what was it like transitioning from playing League Two to playing against you know, Scottish Premiership, playing against your Celtics, your Rangers. Was there a massive step up in terms of the, the, the standard, did you think? And I know it's, as, as Fudge just said, it's a bit of a cliche at times that people will say, yeah, you're going up to play in Scotland. Um, we are going to get to a point, I think, where I'm, one of us will probably ask a question about a certain player that's left us or will be leaving us this week um, and in terms of a career sort of progression thing. But what? how did you find it? Uh, for me, it was, it was refreshing. Because the, the the team that I came into was full of young talent. Uh, we had the Scott, we had Scott Brown, who's obviously Celtic captain now. We had Stephen Fletcher, who's obviously a Sheffield Wednesday last year. Uh, my younger brother, as people keep saying, uh, we looked like twins when we were there together. Uh, He's got a top knot now, Rob. He got the jeans. <laughs> the jeans that, yeah, and I no longer. He had the jeans. He had about five hair transplants, wasn't <laughs> uh, We had David Murphy. The left back who was at Middlesbrough went to Birmingham. Uh, Chris Killen was another one went came back down to Middlesbrough. Kevin Thompson he went off to to Rangers. Uh, Ivan Sproul came down to Bristol City at that end of that year. So I was plonked into a, a very very good group of players, and you could tell straight away that the pace of the training sessions went up 
the time on the ball was null and void really. And you again, like like the like the York City thing, you had two choices: you either sink or swim. And you and for me, it's just uh, another one of those hurdles I had to get across and climb over and 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 push myself forward. Uh, and I, I, and to be fair, they embraced me when I arrived, which is always nice, and it makes it so much easier. They were such a good group of people, uh, and it was such a, a it's, it's, it is such a family club, and they all look after each other and they help each other and they make sure everyone's okay. And and the, the warmth that uh, I was given in that first month or so was was incredible. Uh, I never never really had it before. I'd walk around Edinburgh and people would come up and chatting to you and talking to you, and I'm thinking. And this is not normal. This doesn't happen to me. Uh, but it was, but it was brilliant. And I know it was, it was a, a massive culture shock, total culture shock. Uh, but it was something that sometimes you just get on and ride the crest of the wave. Well, this this is it. So you've gone from sorry, Ben. You've gone from uh, Grimsby, yeah, and um, and you're playing League Two, and you've you've stepped up. You now you're now having a hell of a League Cup run. You're playing alongside a great team. Uh, all, all from being a teacher four years ago, you know what I mean. You're now you're now in Europe, and then tell us about the song because I, the, the reason I'm asking is that Barry Bannon has just signed a contract today, and he was talking quite candidly about what it's like to hear your name being chanted by the fans and stuff like that. So when you're getting as, as a centre back as well, because these things are normally reserved for the tricky wingers or the strikers or the, you know what I mean. So to get a song as a centre back. And to get given the captaincy, you must have thought, what the fuck, you know, how, how has this happened? You know, I was, I was teaching kids to swim four years ago. Well, the, the songs are strange. <laughs> the songs are strange one because when I'm playing, and I'm, I'm sure you ask other players this, when I'm playing, what's going on around me is just white noise. I don't, I don't get what's going on around me. It can be 20 people, it can be 20,000 people, it can be 50,000 people, and it's the same to me. And, and I'm so engrossed in the game, it's, there's not a lot that happens. And it was a kit man uh, at, at Hibs. We came off at the end of the game, and he come, walked down the tunnel and gave me a cuddle. He went, what about that song? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Seriously, what are you talking about? And he took me in the kit room and he, and he put it on. And, he, and it's, it was one where we just chuckled to start with uh, because it's, it's one, it's an iconic song in itself. Uh, but then two, to have your name <laughs> imprinted on that iconic song is, is something completely different. And yeah, you're right. It's it's normally the one that scores all the goals or the one that's the, the flair player or whatnot. And this this big ball dead centre half just heads people and heads the ball. It gets this song made for him. And it was just it was just incredible. And and the feeling that gives you as an individual, uh, you cannot really describe, to be honest. Uh, it's just crazy and that song I bet it stopped being white noise after that didn't it once once you were aware of it it's it's funny because you try and concentrate on the game and you can hear it in the, out the corner you're right you can hear it and you're thinking concentrate the football concentrate the football concentrate the football. Oh, not me I'd have my chest puffed <laughs> out <laughs> yeah, yeah. ringtone <laughs> I, I, I could do that after I retired because I've, I've been back to Doncaster I've been back to Sheffield Wednesday once or twice I've been up to Hibs a few times and and uh, I've gone on the pitch and whatnot and, and they still sing it We've got quite a few things coming in now on Facebook from the Hibs fans. So Mark has asked, did you ever play against Hearts? <laughs> a few times. A few <laughs> times. Uh, that was my, uh, my favourite game up there. Uh, um, 
we had Craig Rocastle on the uh, on the show uh, last week, and he was talking about his time on loan with Hibernian and uh, and going to Hearts. And he said, "You're walking through the, you know, uh, Edinburgh's a lovely city. You, you're walking through; it's lovely, it's beautiful, and everything's green and white. And then you round a corner, and all of a sudden, people are throwing coins at the bus. It's a it's a crazy uh, derby. It really is a crazy derby. Uh, you can feel the tension in the in the city maybe a week, ten days before." Uh, it's a little bit like the, 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 the Steel City derby, to be honest. You can, you can feel it. and It's the only thing that people want to talk about. And the only thing people want to know is, are we going to win this week? Are we going to win this week? Don't have to win any other games, just win this one. And that's and that's how it is. And uh, yeah, you, you, you go past the train station, get along Princess Street to the very end, and then it becomes Hearts Country. Uh, and let's just say we, they don't like each other. They really don't like each other. And Hearts Stadium is, obviously has been redeveloped a little bit now, but... It's an old school, so it's right enclosed, it's right on your way. Hips is a little bit set back. Uh, and and I, can, I go back to the white noise. You can hear a few things when, you, <laughs> when, you, when you're there. And they, they throw things at you and all sorts, and uh, they hurl abuse at you. And, but it, it, again, it adds to the occasion. And, it, it, and again, you can either embrace it or you can you can walk away from it. And those, those games are what I feel football is all about. Uh, there's got to be something about it. There's got to be something on it. There's got to be an edge to it. Uh, and the way that I play and the way that I've always played, I think that that fits into a derby style game, to be honest. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to a proper derby in a bit. Go on, Ben. Uh, well, just while we're, we've got Ibs fans watching and what have you, I think we'd better mention the, the Scottish Cup final 2007. Of course, cap, you captained and scored the first goal. Yeah. Uh, again, you, you, you go through your younger life, uh, me being David Hurst as a centre forward, uh, scoring in a cup final, lifting a trophy as a as a as a um, a captain, and thankfully I've I've been able to fill, fulfil all three dreams in in such a spot short space of time, and uh, I will be forever grateful for the people that give that, me that opportunity to do that. Just just incredible, absolutely incredible, and again you, you I can reflect now because I'll be tired. And you can look back and now my children are old enough to understand football and what football entails and what it's about. And they ask you questions and they start, and they're going through their little pathway of football and whatnot. And, uh, no, it's it, the guy that was playing semi-professional football and teaching, uh, played for his boyhood club, uh, captain his boyhood club, cleaned the cup final and scored. Uh, you, you can't really ask for much more than that. Tell us about the uh, about the trophy lifting about uh, about Scott Brown. Well, Scott again. Scott was supposed to go to Celtic in the January. Uh, was supposed to, he was supposed to go, and Kevin Thompson was supposed to go to Rangers. They allowed Kevin Thompson to go to Rangers, and they told Scott, Scott Brown he wasn't allowed to go. Which obviously he, it was he was upset by the, the decision that was made, uh, but he stayed, and I would say. You've got to give Scott an awful lot of respect and a lot of often a lot of admiration because a lot of players would have probably down tools at that point and said, "I'm not playing. I'm going to be injured. I'm going to do this. I'm going to cause chaos." And he didn't. He got his head down. And the second half of the season, I thought he was outstanding. He was brilliant in the cup final itself. He was everywhere. He was he was unbelievable. And it was a a gesture from from myself to say, "Listen, come on, you come and lift this for me." <clears throat> it means as much to you as it does to me. And we all know that you're going to go on to passage new and, and, and whatnot, and you're going to have some career in front of you, but uh, let's reflect and let's, 
let's have a bit of respect for for you and what you've done for this football club. Go on, go on, touch with any of the lads up there, like Scott. Are you still in touch with with, with people like Scott Brown up there? Every now and again, I'll have a I'll have a conversation with him. Uh, but most of the, most of them that I was there with are now now retired. Uh, David David Murphy, he lives on the corner, so I'll see him every now and again. Uh, I'll I'll have a conversation with Guillaume Boozlin, the centre midfielder, uh, the best first touch I've ever seen in football by an absolute mile. He was oh my word. Incredible. He came down here from Hibs and went to Coventry, did his knee and then went back up again. But the best first touch I've ever come across in my entire life. Well, I tell you what, one person who probably disagree with that is your gaffer uh, at uh, Hibernian was uh, was John Collins. Now, in an old life, I used to I used to work at Debenhams on the Champion Sport bit in Meadowall, <laughs> and um, and we used to get a guy from Adidas who used to come and tell us about uh, Adipreen and the latest Adidas thing. And one story used to peddle was that the, the, the Predator boot that came out in the mid-90s, that they had to change because John Collins couldn't do any touches because he used to bounce off his toe. Now, I don't know if that was true. It sounded like a load of shite to me. But, uh, but like, what was, what was John like? I mean, if you look at the... I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding disrespectful, but if you look at the Kilmarnock lineup on the day and the, um, and the Hibernian lineup on the day, th- there was a lot more of a mixture in the Hibernian team in terms of nationality. I think yeah. everybody was Scottish on the Kilmarnock side, apart from one player. Um, did you find that in Scotland that being English in Scotland was w- worked out for you? Um, and and did John embrace that more than some of the managers would? Uh, oh, that's a question, isn't it? Hell of a question, that isn't it? I mean, I meander to it. Don't get me wrong. I managed to get Debenhams and Meadowall in it, but you know. Uh, no, I think Scotland uh, football as a whole was very multinational, multicultural. Uh, it was at the time. Yeah, even, even before I went up, uh, mm-hmm. there was English players that had gone up there and done extremely well. Uh, yeah, I, your Mark Haitleys and your Gascoins and, yeah. and your mid-90s. Yeah, uh, but I was in a team that was that was full of different nationalities. I had two Moroccans. Uh, Shelton Martis was Dutch. Uh, uh, the goalkeeper who didn't play was on the bench at the time. He was Polish. Uh, Ivan was Irish. Uh, uh, I remember thinking Bo- Boozy was French so we had a, a an array of, uh, of, of different towns from different parts of the world and no I think sometimes I think the, the way the game was going and the way the game has gone where it's now total football and it's all about uh, the, uh, how many touches you've had how many passes you've had and all, all this stuff I think it was always going to be, become incredibly multicultural uh, because that's the way uh, football has gone as a, as a whole. I think the guy that's probably had, had the biggest influence on that is, is Arsene Wenger. And I think everybody's continued in that vein because he brought the, the French boys over and, and he changed not just the football on the pitch, but off it too. And the way people eat, ate at, at lunchtime, how they prepared, how they recovered and all that sort of stuff. And so he pretty, he, I know he got a lot of stick when he left, when he left Arsenal, but for the 20-odd years he was there, he, he was the guy that uh, and the beacon that brought football into where it is now because he just dragged it through. And 25 years ago, you the, the players couldn't play at the pace to play now. Mm-hmm. No. It, it's just the, the, the pace and the standard is, is, is incredible. And I think, uh, and to be fair, that's why I found it difficult when I came back down from Hibs because I was playing Saturday Tuesday all the time and my body wasn't ready for it. 
up at Scotland, you, very rarely you would play midweek. Mm-hmm. Uh, very only every now and again, and but down in in England, it's just relentless. It's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and you you just can't recover. Uh, even though you now have the pastas, the the shakes, the, the the ice baths and all that sort of stuff, which in turn hasn't been brought over and, and tried to instill into his group, and everybody stole it. But no, the, the pace of the game now is just just relentless. Let's, okay. let's get on to Wednesday then, then probably, and I, I may be completely wrong, but because I'm doing this off of memory, but was your first goal against Brentford? It was, yeah, at home. And I went off about 10 minutes later. Did you have a bandage around your head when you scored it? Uh, I made my second appearance against Dagnum Redbridge away. And we drew one all. And with about 25 minutes to go, I'd gone up to a ball and Reynolds, remember Reynolds? Reynolds decided to headbutt me in the back of the head. (laughs) And and he he split my head uh, open. Uh, the doctor from their team came on. He said, "No, no, no! You got to take him off, take him off, take him off." And I said, "I'm not going off." So we went into the dressing room. He put nine staples in my head, wrapped it up, and I came back out again and then joined back in. What uh, painkillers did you have? <laughs> like, does that not make you want to never head a ball though during the rest of that match? Because I always think that when players go off with a head injury and then come back on, nine times out of ten, they always head it straight away. And you think, what the chuffing hell are you doing? Just cracked your head open. That's why it's so pretty. Look at the shape of his nose. Look at well, it. My, <laughs> my wife wanted me to never head a ball ever again. Uh, but it doesn't work like that. Uh, no, I, I came back on and I think going to the Brentford game, I scored. And then the keeper punched me in the face. And then I didn't even know where I was. Uh, I'd, I'd gone by this point. Uh, I was all over the place, couldn't stand up properly. I think I played another three or four minutes and I can't remember. And, I, and the physio came on and I said, listen, I really don't know where I am. I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I was going to ask you how, how it felt to score at Hillsborough, but it didn't seem like <laughs> You've got no idea. Yeah, I, I can't remember large parts of that game even though I only played I, I must have only played 25 minutes or so uh, I then went to hospital and I spent three days in hospital and uh, I had secondary concussion I think they said it was and uh, I think the, the lady that was looking after me at the time didn't want me to play football ever again <laughs> and I'm thinking you've got absolutely no chance I'm only two games in no chance uh, but it was one of those things where it just happens and being a centre-half, it's not the first time it happens and it definitely wasn't the last. I'll tell you what. So, I tell you, sorry, we just we just skipped a little bit out there because I, I kind of want to know the circumstance and for the Hibernian fans listening, the circumstances of you leaving about, uh, just, to, just to rewind it a little bit about, uh, you know, it, it's Wikipedia, I must admit. So, you, I, I don't know about whether th- th- this is true about your disgruntlement about a, a bid from Leeds potentially and stuff like that. Did you did you find out about that? No, this is Leeds was the very first one. Uh, Dennis Wise had put a bid in from Leeds. This was probably a year ago, a year before I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, the, the bid was derisory. And I never made anything of it. I just got on with it and away I went. Uh, in the January before I did actually leave, then Colchester came in and made a bid, uh, which was Paul Lambert. Mm-hmm. Again, that was rejected because it was too lo- the, the fee was too low and then they couldn't afford to go any higher. 
And then I think it was three days before the transfer window closed. Uh, Nottingham Forest came in with Billy Davies and they offered good money, really good money. And that was rejected too. I had a conversation with the chairman and uh, at that time, Rod Petrie. Uh, I had a conversation with Mixer Pot Line at that time, who was, who was the manager. And they both said that I wasn't allowed to go. Where at this point, I'd had my, my mind set on going playing the championship. Uh, I wanted to have a crack at the championship. That's really all, all that was left for me. I knew I was never going to play in the Premier League in England anyway. Uh, but I wanted to have a, tra- a chance at the, at the championship. And I thought that was my best opportunity to do that at that time. So, yeah, I did kick up a little bit of a fuss at the time with the chairman. Mixu had disappeared over back at the Finland. Uh, so he was un- unachievable, uncontactable, un- un- uh, which is nice for him. Uh, but I did have conversations with the chairman and, and uh, did it get a bit heated at times? Yeah, it did. It did. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it out there. And, but to this day, I speak to Rod often and he's a lovely guy. And it's just football. And it was for football reasons and, and pure and simple football reasons. Hibs have been and will always be very close to my heart. But at that point in time, I wanted to move for footballing reasons and football reasons only. Uh, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about any prestige because I, I'm, a, I'm a kid that's that's had nothing, and I would have played football for free. So it wouldn't have been any difference to me what what the what the the money was at all. Uh, right. But but it, it, it was just at that time, and obviously the, it was rejected. It rejected again and rejected again. And the window closed. I came back and I got on with it. And then in the summer we came to an agreement that I could go for a, a certain amount of money, and and the rest is history, as I say. Well, there you are. So, yeah, we'll move on to Sheffield Wednesday now. We all know about Scunthorpe, you know what I mean? You were there. You were one of their big signings, and then it was who needs Mourinho? We've got our physio. We know all about bloody Scunthorpe. Let's let's move on. So, the, you know, you you got a, a an opportunity to come on loan. Uh, you know what I mean? Which which I find is, is mental that we Sheffield Wednesday are loaning players from Scunthorpe, but that's the way it was at, at that period of time. There was a weird bit where. Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United were the worst teams in South Yorkshire at this point. You know what I mean? And and we were we were loaning players from from Scunthorpe. I mean, did you did you jump at the chance? Did you did you have other offers that type of thing? Again, I think we, we had a we talked spoke earlier about the the phone call, the inevitable phone call. But mm-hmm. no, it, it was something that came out of the blue. To be honest, uh, there was a few offers from other clubs, uh, but. Not of any interest from from my point of view. Uh, I was I was done at Scunthorpe. I was done, and I'll, I'll, I'll go on record and say that the, my time at Scunthorpe wasn't good at all, at all. And there was many factors that that influenced that, including including myself. Uh, it just didn't work out the way I would like it to. But then, obviously, <clears throat> you get the phone call from Sheffield Wednesday, and like you said, I don't normally walk off the golf course, but this day I did. Uh, Stuff got through in the car. I drove to the club, got my boots, and off, and off I went. Uh, and thankfully, I, I never looked back from that, that point onwards. Uh, I think uh, the, the manager, Sheffield Wednesday, got the sack the day that I left. Yeah. Uh, the day that I came on loan, he got the sack. And I remember getting the sack in the agency, and he's got, he's got the sack. And I'm saying, get that piece of paper in front of me as quick as possible. Get my name on that piece of paper as quick as possible because if they turn around and say, oh, you can't go now because there's no manager, I won't be very happy. So uh, it was done quickly. And no, it, it, like you're saying, 
Sheffield Wednesday have been the club it is, they've been the stature it is, and they've been the figurehead of football it is. You're correct in saying you don't normally sign players on loan from Scunthorpe to come to Sheffield Wednesday. But thankfully, I got that, I got that opportunity and I, I grasped it with both hands. We, we heard from Stephen Bywater. We had Stephen Bywater on, what, three, three, maybe three weeks ago now? <laughs> You're laughing at that. This this could be brilliant, this, and I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't going to ask about Stephen Bywater, but I might do it in a bit. Anyway, uh, he, he said about Megson taking him up the cop when he signed. That's that, not a euphemism. <laughs> There was well, someone else who told us, wasn't there, as well? There was somebody else who said it. Someone. Yeah, right. Now, this is a bone I've got to pick with a gaffer because he never did it with me. Did yeah, he? Yeah, somebody else signed you. No, there was nobody in charge when you signed. He did. No, he was. He was there. Uh, everybody else that came in after me come down the day of a game and said, did you go up the cop? No. He said, even if it's TV... He said, the gaffer just take me right at the top of the cop. Stood there, right, right at the right, very top in the rafters, and made me look at the pitch and look at the stadium and tell me how good this actually is. I say, he never did that to me. I mean, to be fair, you've been going anyway, so he probably yeah, you didn't need save it. himself the steps, didn't well, he? Well, may, well, maybe he, he already knew that I was a Sheffield Wednesday fan. I don't know. <laughs> I never told him, but maybe he already knew that I, I was, I'd already stood in that stand uh, as a kid. But uh, no, no, he did it to every player apart from me. <laughs> we, we might need to ask about Stephen Bywater in, in this. Uh, he, what was he like? What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> I love him to pieces. Uh, he is just... He, he's just one of those guys that, again, you either love him or hate him. Uh, and I, I loved him to pieces. He was, he was brilliant. He's such a character. Uh, never a dull moment with Stevie. Never, ever a dull moment. He's got a story about everything. Uh, but we had two. We had him and Weaver, and they were both the same. Weaver was just laugh a minute, and he could destroy you with one line, uh, where Stevie was a bit more uh, laid back a little bit, and he would have his little gripes here, but where, where Weaver would just go, bang, and that's you, you're finished. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, Rob, listen. Now, we had Stephen Bywater on two weeks ago, and... Uh, and he's he's obviously a grown up now. You know what I mean? He's a similar race to you and I. So he's he's trying to start his his high end business and all this. So the guy that we spoke to, and same with guy Bloody Branston as well, who we both know that those two people are mad as a fish in petrol, right? So what we got though when it came to talking to those players was this really thoughtful bloke in their early thought in their early forties going, Yeah, well, you know, it was just the time. And I'm thinking Shut up. You've clearly shat in a glass and thrown it at somebody or something like that. So what I want to know, Rob, I want to know some proper Stephen Bywater stories. I, w- I want some I want some proper ones. Like we've all seen the one of him covering Clem and, and all, you know what I mean? I want I want a proper Stephen Bywater story. The one that we thought we were going to get instead is really thoughtful. I mean, it was a great interview. Don't get me wrong, but, you know. Yeah, I when know you the say that, actually, stuff. someone on Facebook tonight has pointed out that this is very similar to like when we've spoken to Stephen Bywater in the fact that, let me find it. Where's the quote? Yeah, go on. Uh, that you always look really intimidating and it's quite a surprise because you look like someone who wouldn't look, think twice to two foot you in the nose. Uh, <laughs> and they're quite shocked at how, how nice you are tonight. So, yeah, similar uh, thing. <laughs> I'm a, well, let's go back to Stevie first. Stevie... <laughs> I haven't got many uh, many really 
stories on Stevie because Stevie was just Stevie and, and when he came to the dressing room, he'd do something I'd just go, yeah, fair enough, he's done it, he's done it again. Or Gary McDean, yeah, he's done it again. And you just get on with it, you just get used to it. Uh, so not any... I did have a fight with Stevie, I'll give you that one. I did have a fight with him in, in the dressing room away at uh, Leighton Orient. It was nil-nil at half-time. Uh, and I was going to send half of Miguel area at that point. And Miguel kept giving the ball away. And then Stevie came in and had a go at me. And uh, like your, your, your guy just tuned in there and, and said he's a bit lunatic. I, am a, I was a lunatic. I'm probably still am a lunatic, to be honest. But uh, no, we had each other by the throat in the middle of this. <laughs> uh, and we are, we are big buddies. Uh, but that just shows you he was on loan. I was there as, as the captain, and it just shows you how much it meant to us both. Uh, and I think we, we won that game in the end, 1-0. And I, I remember the 85th minute or so, I'd gone up to a header, and I'd instead of heading it forward, I headed it back to him, and he caught it. And that was more or less the game over. And at, at that point, we haven't really spoke to each other since half time because I've still got his, his thumbprints on my throat, and he's still got my thumbprints on his throat. And the game finishes, we won't win one nil, and it's all hugs and kisses and, and whatnot. And uh, he's just a, he's a he's a great guy, a great character to have in the dressing room. Uh, laugh a minute sometimes, a bit of a crazy lunatic other times. But yeah, we like like yeah, the guy is is thing there. We all grow older a little bit. There's, there's still that kid inside us somewhere. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes we we mature a little bit and, and get to understand that you can't say what you used to say and you can't do what you used to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Go on, Steve. Yeah, you, you've reeled up a couple of names there. I'm just thinking the, the, you, you've come into the club where it was sort of transitioning back up out of League One going into sort of the, the, the championship and you were part of a, a season that was really, really successful for us. Do you think there's a, a lot to be said for the personalities that were in the changing room? Um, and the characters that were there, the, the team spirit, did that help? Yeah, I think uh, the analogy I, you know, analogy I put together when teams are successful is, is, is basically you can't bake a cake without all the ingredients. And I, that's my analogy on football clubs and football teams and dressing rooms. And uh, Obviously, I moved in for Sheffield Wednesday, went to Doncaster, and the, the same ingredients were in there. We had some big characters when I came to Sheffield Wednesday. We had uh, <clears throat> obviously Weaves was there. David Prutton signed the day, same day as me, another lunatic. Yeah, was that? Uh, like, no, he's dead posh, isn't he? He is. He's he's very he's very well educated, is David. Yeah. I remember when they when they interviewed him after one of the games. I think it was, I don't know if it was one of the Derby games, and they introduced him as Dave Prutton, and he actually corrected him and said, "Actually, I think oh, it's David." Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, uh, oh, he was privately educated in Hull. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, so probably edu educating Hull. I think mum and dad wanted him to go down a different route than being this lardy ass footballer, but that's the way it went. And he's doing really well for himself. He's on Sky all the time. He's on my TV in my living room all the time, which is driving me insane. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. We had Sedge, Sedgwick, Chris Sedgwick, another great character. Uh, Semedo came in. It was magnificent. In that that season that he came in, he was he was tremendous. That midfielder just destroyed people. Obviously, we had Guy Medina up front. Uh, Liam Palmer was coming through. Was there now? Was doing great stuff. So I'm I'm delighted that he's still there and do, he's still playing at the at the the ripe old age of probably 31, 32, what he is now. Uh, so no, we had we had a, a fantastic dressing room. 
really jovial, uh, good banter. But it was a dressing room that, and I, I, there's this comparisons with the Doncaster dressing room because we all had the same aim and we all wanted the same solutions. And we just drove it into the where we needed it to go, really. And it was it was it was a pleasure to be in that group of of players at that time. There is there's one player that we haven't mentioned yet that I would like to touch on that played a massive part in the first half of the season when he was on loan, and that's Ben Marshall because he he come he's been on another podcast and he. I think it surprised all Wednesday fans, really, about his lifestyle while they were at Wednesday. It wasn't really a professional lifestyle, which uh, I don't know whether that's something that you saw or not, but he was unbelievable like, in, on the pitch and stuff. He's another lunatic. <laughs> uh, no, what a lovely... Again, you, you, you call, I call them lunatics, but they're all lovely. They're all, you know, I got along with them all. They're all great, but Ben Marshall was a bit different. He was young. I think he, the... the He'd rose to the, the crop very early. And I think, as you saw that in the first half of the season, he, he was probably our best player at, at that point in time. Uh, always involved in, in, in anything that we did, we did really well. But he'd turn up at a minute of 10 to get, to get dressed and get chained. And he'd just sit there and he'd go, oh, yeah, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute, I'll do it in a minute. Uh, but another one who would like to crack his jokes, like to cause a bit of chaos. Uh, but you need that. You need that. It can't be serious all the time. Uh, we play did this game ever, because we love it. Did you ever speak to him? Because, I mean, when he when he decided to... When he left his... Who was his parent club at the time? I can't remember. Stoke. 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 Mm. When, he, when he left them, for some reason, we'd all convinced ourselves that he was going to come Sheffield Wednesday, and he didn't. He actually went higher up. He, he, he got himself a better job. You know what I mean? And the dog's abuse that he got was pretty horrific, if I remember rightly. It was the advent of real social media, and, and then yeah. you know people were really giving him abuse. And then now he's playing some weird non-league football team. In I, I can't, I don't understand the career of Ben Marshall. I, I don't really get it. Like, but had he have stayed with us, he we we'd have lauded him for years, wouldn't we? Yeah, but that's all in hindsight. Football yeah. is football is great in hindsight. Uh, if you'd have done this or if he'd have done that or if she'd have done this this would have happened and we don't know obviously we honestly don't know we don't know he could have had the, the best season ever at Sheffield Wednesday got sold for millions and millions of pounds and never heard of him ever again mm. he could play one year season at Sheffield Wednesday stay at Sheffield Wednesday and he could be what you're talking about is, a, is an icon of the, of, the, of the football club right now he, we just don't know we don't know and we all lead different paths and we all go in different avenues and, and different ways. Uh, a lot of that is probably from the guidance that surrounds us. Mm-hmm. Agents, family, friends, advisors, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, you ever kind of see it coming? I know like we're talking about him like he's done a gazer or something here, but like, did you ever, having come up through the, sorry, my dog's here, having come up through the non-league route, did you ever want to sit there and shake him and be like, mate, you've got this on a plate here. Like, come on, don't turn up at one minute to 10 and look alive when you're warming up and stuff like that. Was there never a part of you that just wanted to go? Rah. No, we, we we shook him a few times. Don't worry about that. We, he, did get, <laughs> he did get a shake, but that was Ben. That was Ben. And you don't want to take that enigma out of him because mm. when he went on the pitch he was magnificent so you look at it two different ways if if you try and convert somebody into something that they're not then are they going to produce on a weekend probably not you've got to allow them to to embrace what they are who they are what they want and where they're going 
and uh, as long as they don't step over that that line. So let's say, for instance, he turned up at quarter past ten every day, then there will be something said. But because it was one minute at ten, he was still within the rules because he had to be in for ten o'clock. So he was still abiding by the rules, but he was doing it his own little way. <laughs> uh, and and that's that's the way it was. And no, I think the dressing room at, at that point, if anybody said online, they got a clip or, or got told, and that's the way it was. But he never stepped out of line. He was just he's just a young lad who was playing football, and he was doing really well. And sometimes that takes you down a path you don't really want to go down. And sometimes that takes you onto an avenue that you you never look back. Uh, we never know where our decisions that we make are going to take us. We don't. I've made some decisions in my football career that, I, I, in, if, in hindsight, I wouldn't have made. But I'd made them. And I live by them and I get on with them. And if I never went to Scunthorpe, I would never go to Sheffield Wednesday. Yes. So, you look at that, that, that sense, sometimes uh, what you think is the wrong decision, inevitably, somewhere down the line, turns out to be the right one. So, well, yeah, I mean, so, go on, Steve. I was just going to add, obviously we got to that point, we've covered Marshall bits of the first half of the season. Obviously this was, at that point, one of the most successful seasons, getting back out and doing it, you know, automatically rather than the playoff. Was there a point where you looked at it and went, right, shit, this is it. This is this is us now. We're, we're, we're going to kick on from here and we're going to get ourselves up. What, what was the turning point in that season, do you think? Uh... I think we got the two-tool draw over the road when we were 2-0 down after 25 minutes. And I should have scored the winner that day. Uh, six yards out, I had it straight at him. Anywhere yeah, you, yeah, you should, but it should, Rob, but we don't uh, talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. Like, if you want to remember it, Paul, yeah. 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 I, I, still, I still think of that. That's, that still pops into my head from time to time. You, but, you played a big part in actually getting us back in it, though. You set the first goal up, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, he had an atonement to make, didn't he? he had, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got to a 2-2 away from home, which at that point probably felt like a win mm. coming from 2-0 down away from home. And, and I think... Uh, that was it, a great night because we couldn't get tickets in the away end at all. It was absolutely impossible. Uh, it was it was mental. After the I game, was in, it I was, was in the stand above on my own just got managed to get one ticket on my own and that second goal going in i swear to god it was like i had to just weight myself to the floor yeah. before i just got lynched on bramall lane i think that one there that was that was probably a pivotal pivotal point and then the there's probably the most surreal one is when we won we beat them one nil at home chris o'grady scored it was mexican's last game as well did you did you well, sniff that coming well, we've got to ask about the bear rug and everything. Well, there was, there was talk. I think there was rumours the week before about him being under pressure and whatnot. Uh, I think there was a lot lot said in the press and, and this, that and the other. And as players, obviously players talk and this, that and the other, but you try and keep it out of your, out of your thought, thought process uh, going into a, to what is a, a, an enormous game. And then obviously we won 1-0, played really well that day. Uh, full house which was just incredible, the noise that, until you played in one of those games, you don't really understand it. If you can stand, you can sit in the stand and you really don't get the the the, the echo and the, the noise that is reverberated around the stadium because you're right in the middle of it. Uh, but obviously one one nil, and then no one expected what happened on the Wednesday uh, of, that, of that week. 
Insane. Imagine losing the you know the biggest fixture in the fans' calendar. But I mean, I, I want you to tell me about that because you know we are we do have uh, you know a bigger capacity than uh, the Bramall Lane, or we did at the time. Um, the the nearly forty thousand people. Do you know what I mean? At a in that ground, that must be. I mean, you you've captained two Steel City derbies, which you know you don't you don't get to do. And not lost either, by the way. Yeah, yeah, well, I've got that written down, actually, I must admit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, to win one, as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, at Hillsborough, under under a manager, or, albeit his last game, who was a, you know, bled Sheffield Wednesday through and through, and he's, he's at the cop and he's tapping his badge and all, and all the rest of it. That must have been a hell of a bloody day, that, right? Oh, just incredible. We talk about dreams, don't we? Uh, and that's another one. It's just at that that moment in time, it's like time stands still and you, you try and take in as much of it as possible because you don't know where the next one's going to come and that's football, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and I did my normal, I walk around after the game and clap the fans from each corner to the to the other, which is something that I've always done in my whole career. And then at that point, Gaffer was waiting for me at the, at the tunnel and uh, it's, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny uh, story because we did what we did. Obviously, there's been photographs taken or whatnot. It was in the press. Uh, and on the Monday morning, he, I got I got into got in the dressing room. I started getting changed, and Chris pops in. Chris Evans, the radio DJ, he pops in. Captain America. And he says, do you want to? Gaffer wants you. I said, can I just get changed? He went, you better hurry up. And I'm thinking, oh, shit. Oh, shit. What have I done? What have I done? So up I go, and he, he throws the, uh, the Sheffield star at me. And I was like, what's the matter? I said, I haven't done any press or anything, Gaffer. And the picture of me bear-hugging him, picking him off, off his toes in the middle of the pitch, he said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> I said, what's the matter? And he said, to be fair, he started laughing. He said, you made me look like a child. He said, you picked me up to my feet and even on the pitch uh, and bear-hugged me. He said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> oh, that makes me want to there hug him now. If I ever yeah, see yeah. Him. Every time I see him now, I'm going to try and do it to him. Um, okay, so I, you know, we're into the last five minutes now. I just need, I need to ask you about one lone player, and um, and at the time, I remember people talk about the two nil at Wickham, uh, but uh, sorry, the the, the Wickham home game. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about the Wickham at Adams Park. And I, I was living in Wickham at the time. It was a weird one. It was like a walk down the road for me. I, it, it was a long time ago. And at the time, this, this is a point, and it's a really weird bit. I remember things autobiographically because I, I had the best Sheffield Wednesday shirt we'd released in a number of years. I mean, that, the way that sponsored, I, and I ruined it by having Julian Bennett on the back. But, you know, you'll, you'll probably speak really nicely about him. But Danny Bart, for me, at, that, at this point, was fucking massive. Like he was hench. Like, his, his arms were as big as my bloody legs. And did you? And he seems to have lost that since he left Sheffield Wednesday. Did, did he? Was I, I don't know. Do you know if that was a conscious decision to to become more lean? Did or or did he feel that he needed to be that big to score uh, to to defend in League One? Does that make sense? Because it's such a more physical league. Well. Danny came in on loan the same time as me the first time around. Obviously, he came back on loan in the, in the summer when I signed permanent. Uh, young kid, desperate to do well, uh, but was really good friends with DJ. Yeah. With Dan Jones, and Dan Jones liked the gym. 
so the pair of them were always in the gym, always in the gym. So I don't think it was a, it was a, a conscious effort to say, right, I'm going to get as big as possible, uh, because I don't think, f- from a football's point of terms, if you're you're top heavy, as you say, you cannot move and you cannot mm. you can't sprint. So I don't think it was a, a desperate plea to say, right, I've got to I've got to build up because I'm I'm now playing League One because. Uh, I think physically he was ready for League One anyway, and I think uh, tactically he was he was clever, and I think he had all that attributes to go on to do what what he has done anyway. Uh, so I don't think it was a conscious thing. I think it, it was the fact that DJ liked the gym. Dan stayed with DJ. They knew each other from Stoke, I think from not from Stoke from Wolves, Wolves. Uh, when they were both younger, and I think it was just how they, how they did it and how they got along with it. Uh, obviously he's leaned up now. I speak to him every now and again. Uh, Dan and he's because he came to Middlesbrough on loan, uh, which is not far from from me. He's on the corner, and we've we met up a couple of times for coffee. And he's such a lovely guy, uh, really down to earth, really set with what he wants to do out of football and and, and after football. He's he's quite clever, uh, and no, I think the second I think the second time he came on loan was was probably more important than the first. Mm, definitely. Yeah, because there was a there was a point where it was on, then it was off, then it was on, then it was off. Yeah, uh, and then I think it the I think it was a week week ten days before the season started. And he actually came in full time, and it was he was like a breath of fresh air, and uh, and we just had that rapport, me and him. Obviously, I didn't play towards the end of the season because yeah, uh, did you I, I, yeah did you find it difficult to watch Miguel? who'd been given the ball away in front of Stephen Bywater not six months before. You know what I mean? Did you find it difficult watching Miguel and Danny be the centre-back partnership towards the back end of the season, especially in that Wickham game, that, that last game of the season? Uh, you know? From a from a personal point of note, yeah. I was gutted I wasn't playing. But from a, a collective point of, point of view, the team are winning games, and that's what it was all about. Was that something that Dave Jones... Did he just fancy the other two? Were you injured? I mean, what what was the, what was the story behind that? Obviously, Dave Jones fancied Miguel Lieri more than me, and that was more apparent in the summer when he he let he told me to leave. Uh, so it was just one of those things. That, again, you you can either throw your yeah the toys out the pram, or you can get your down and get on with it. And I got me to down and get on with it. And and at that point in time. It wasn't about Rob Jones. It was about Sheffield Wednesday getting out of League One and get back in the Championship, and that was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, if called upon, I was ready and available. If I wasn't called upon, I would never cause any chaos. Uh, I went to train every day. I still behaved as a captain would. Uh, come, players confide in you. You you, you try to instil what you wanted out of them with with regards to what the manager had put in place on the on the Friday morning. So I never changed from that point of view, but. Very bittersweet day for you. No, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a bittersweet day because we just got promoted back in the championship. Well, yeah. I, I think I think with what you're saying about remaining as that captain and leader really showed because I always remember when, obviously on the highlights, the day that we went up, the first goal Antonio scores, and the run over to the side, yeah. subs were involved, you were involved, and while everyone's going mad, you're screaming at everyone, going switch on, switch yeah. on. Even against Wickham, who were I think bottom yeah. at that point, you, yeah. you you're still the one that's calm and collected. Yeah, yeah, calm and collected probably on, on the outside, not so much on the inside. But I, it, being a Sheffield Wednesday fan, I, 
I think you have a more of an understanding of what it actually means to the people that are around you. Uh, and Sheffield Wednesday had been in that league far too long. And for me and, and for everybody associated with Sheffield Wednesday, been in championship far too long too. Uh, they need to get back up to where we feel they should be and where they belong. Uh, but football doesn't always give you that. But no, in this, I always, in this life, you are either a leader or a follower. And I think you probably understand by now, I, I ain't a follower. Uh, and from that day, from, from I just want to play and I want to make, play my tip, play my part. And I get paid to play football. I don't get paid to sit on a, on a touchline and watch a game. Uh, and that's probably one. That was one of the reasons why I left. In the end, I went to Doncaster. I mean, that that must be difficult because I, I feel that probably everything up to that point, everything up to that game, everything's gone your way. You know what I mean? You've you've told York where to go. You've you've quit the game. You know, Carl Palmer's got you back in. It's gone up and up and up and up and up for. To, 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 to accumulate on this, this one fixture at Hillsborough and then and then all of a sudden it's not gone your way and then you must have realised you were you were in your 30s now and all the rest of it and thought, you know what, I've had a great career and did, did you ever start to, I don't know, question yourself and your ability or did you know that you had this? I mean, you don't come across as the type of guy that would roll over and die, don't get me wrong, but I mean, you know, did you... Did you feel that this this was a difficult point in your career, and did you want to deliver some big fuck yous when you went to Doncaster? Is I guess what I'm asking. No, I I knew the inevitable was coming. The way the inevitable came still has a bit of taste in my mouth, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the day before preseason, the night before, and I got a phone call from my agent. It was nine thirty at night, so I thought. He doesn't normally ring at this time, so something's going on. Uh, and then it, then Dave Jones had rang him to tell me that I was free to find a new club. Well, I was going to ask about this. Wow. Because traditionally, when you, you, you know, we, we, we've had players on in the past, and I think it was Ham, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Hamshaw. Hamshaw. In 2005, talked about that sort of that night, and then players get released relatively early, or, or a club will sort out its retained and release list. Fairly, fairly early on, you were you were away into pre-season or you know that summer before anything came out, weren't you? Yeah, I, I could have. I had a year left, and I I could have sat and played with the twenty threes for the whole season. Just picked up my money, knew I wasn't going to play, but just be around the, the building. And that's not me. It's not. It's not me. It hurts me when someone else wears my armband. It, it does, and it always has. Uh, so I had two choices. I could sit in the 23s, train Monday to Friday, play every now and again, have the weekend off, come back in, train Monday to Friday, have the weekend off, come back in. Uh, or I could say, thank you very much. I've enjoyed every single second of my last 18 months. Uh, take all of the... The, the joyous parts with me, uh, go out with my head held extremely high and move on to pastures new. Uh, and it was, we were away in Portugal. I got the phone call from Dean Saunders and uh, he said, listen, come, come and play for me. I want to get promoted as quick as possible. Uh, I want you to do this. I want to build this around you. I know about you. I know this, I know that, I know the other. And I knew that my, my career at, at Sheffield Wednesday 
was finished. I knew it was finished. Uh, I didn't need anybody to tell me that in black and white, but I, I, I knew, I knew. And for every Saturday you don't play is a Saturday you'll never, ever get back. And for me, it was more important to... It was the, the biggest decision I've ever made in football, ever. And it, it's one that sometimes it makes you emotional because you've worked all your life and you've done everything you possibly can and someone's just taken that away from you. And it's, it's horrible at times. But through adversity, you grow. You don't, you don't grow when things go right all the time for you. And that's probably why I'm so stubborn at times and so driven and and I know what I want and I know where I want to be and I know how to get there. And I think because I've had adversity throughout my, throughout my career, uh, I've embraced the, the positives from that point of view. But you know, I, it, when I went to Doncaster, it was, I wish the club, my club, the players, every success in the future, every success. Uh, but I went into a new challenge then. And the new challenge was to get Doncaster out of League One and back into the Championship at the first time of asking. And as a group, as a whole, we managed to do that. And we managed to do that extremely well, actually winning the Cup on the final day. Uh, so it wasn't two fingers up a shovel Wednesday or anything like that. It's my job. My job is to go and play football to my best ability and try and win. And that's what I went to, to Doncaster to do. And it was not or look at me, look what I'm doing now, because it was nothing like that. And I remember the year after when we played Cheval Wednesday at Hillsborough and we won 1-0, uh, Federico Magueda scored. And uh, I headed one off the line after about 25 minutes and a, and a fan, a fan uh, shouted on, Oi, Judas! And it made me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> uh, but that's, that was the only time in my whole career I have not celebrated my team scoring a goal. Wow. I, uh, I I can't thank you enough for being so candid, Rob. That was that was genuinely. Not, I, There's been a few uh, people on Facebook saying about it, it hurts when someone wears my armband quote, and a few people have asked if you're free on Saturday at three o'clock, um, which kind <laughs> of leads us into like kind of the end of the podcast, and just to ask you like, what are you doing now? Obviously, you're involved in. I think is it the football transfer forum? That's how we got in touch with you. And you no, know, Tony, my agent, he he looks after the football transfer forum, and I pop on every now and again. But no, I'm just doing some coaching at the moment. I'm I'm at Middlesbrough, which is close to me. Uh, I'm doing I'm in the academy there. I'm looking on to for me to go back into full time as, as as when that time's right and when that time allows, because obviously we're in, a, we're in a crazy situation at the moment. Uh, but I. I I love coaching. I just love it. I love being able to pass the knowledge on and experiences that I've had throughout my career onto somebody else and that influences them in, in a positive manner and gives them the, the sort of career that I had, I had and, and it would be brilliant. Uh, but that's what I'm doing at the present moment in time. I'm just waiting for that opportunity uh, to get back into to the full time, which I think, I think my experience and my knowledge warrants sometimes, uh, but it's not that, it's not that easy. If it you didn't work, in America for quite a while as well, weren't you? You had a job. I was doing an American thing, yes, but uh, there was no, there was no end to it. Uh, to be honest, and it did it give me the buzz that the professional football side does it. No, and that's what I, that's what I want. I want I, I want to go and influence the the top end of of academies, top end of of 18s, 23s football, and and go and learn from people. I've had to teach myself all the way along. And I'm not done too bad at it so far. So it'd be nice to actually 
have someone else teach me for a change. And are you, are you pushing your kids down that route now? Do you think that we might have more Joneses playing at centre-half in the Championship at some point? Or? The younger, youngest one's at Middlesbrough. Uh, see, he's 12. Uh, he's playing in midfield at the moment and they keep moving every now and again to centre-half, which my wife closed her eyes and, and, and cups her ears because she doesn't want to be a centre-half and she says, look at the state of your face, I don't want his to be like that. Does that mean then, so one of our old podcasters um, who still hangs around every so often, his son's actually at Middlesbrough and will be a similar age, so does that mean that you have to stand on the touchline with Eddie Hoyland and scream and shout at your kids? Is he oh, no, 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 no screaming and shouting. <laughs> I, stand, I stand in the corner and I watch him and I let him play and then if he asks me a question, I'll answer it. If he didn't ask me a question, we don't go there. Uh, I just like <coughs> I just like watching them play. My oldest boy, he's he's a fullback. Uh, he's now learned how to tackle like Rob Jones, so which is which is nice. Uh, Mum again hates it, but uh, no, I, I just like watching them play to be honest. And and if they ask me questions, I'll answer them. If they don't ask me questions, I'll let them just get on with it. Amazing, amazing. I, I love the idea of. Uh of your boy sticking his head where everybody else is swinging his feet. We've seen where this goes. We know what happens. That's why we're so pretty. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks a lot for joining us. And thank you for being so candid. Please, big round of applause for Mr. Rob Jones. Vic, take us off Facebook. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh! Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.